Hello friends and welcome to another episode of It's Not All Rainbows. I'm your host, Lindsay Goodman, and if you don't know me, I'm a survivor of narcissistic abuse in a queer relationship, and I'm here to validate and support others who are or have been in my shoes and to help spread awareness of what these kinds of relationships can look like. Obviously, I'm here for my queers, but everyone is welcome here. Today, I'm going to talk to you about how hard it is to leave an abusive relationship. We've all heard this oh-so-popular comment that people like to say, just leave. I'm going to talk about why that doesn't work and why people should not be saying that to survivors. Let's dive in. Okay, the other night, Lisa Sunny from Stronger Than Before on TikTok reached out to me and asked me to get involved with a collaboration she was doing on a TikTok video where she asked survivors to talk about what happened when they tried to leave their abuser. There are probably, I don't know, eight or nine people in the video, maybe more, maybe less, I'm not sure. I need to watch it again, but we all sent sort of little snippets of what happened when we tried to leave or when we left and how our abusers reacted. A lot of people like to comment on our abuse videos. Um, All of us are out here trying to raise awareness, um, support and validate victims. Some of us have programs for recovering from trauma bonds, getting out of abusive relationships. Some of us have written books, things like that. Um, And, you know, people always, always will comment, just leave, divorce them, get out of there. It's not that hard. Why do people stick around? I would never put up with that. Those kind of comments are super common and we've all received them. So I was honored to be a part of that video. I think it was really important. And um, just hearing everyone else's stories and knowing that obviously you're not alone. You're not the only one who's experienced this. And then, of course, if there's anyone who's listening to this who's thinking about leaving, um, this is going to be really important to you too because you need to be aware of what could happen um, and find support and make several plans for trying to get out because you just never know how someone's going to react when you leave. So if you leave a narcissistic or abusive person, this can be the most dangerous part of your relationship. This is the time when many women are severely injured or unalived. This is when abusers fly into a panic, a rage. Um, They're desperately afraid that they're losing supply before they were ready to lose their supply. And so they're going crazy. They're acting out in ways that you can't even imagine if you've never been in an abusive relationship. There is a name for this. It is called narcissistic injury. Obviously, if you're dealing with a narcissistic person and I will tell you right now that it is one of the scariest things I have ever witnessed. So in my case, and I have talked about this before because I've talked about certain things that happened when I was trying to leave. I have a whole episode about 
breaking up with an abuser or something like that. Um, it's definitely from several months ago. So scroll back if you want to hear the whole story of how it went down breaking up with a narcissist. Definitely not something that I would ever want to repeat. Not something that I've ever experienced before. Um, but again, if you've heard some of this before, I apologize. It is possibly going to be a little bit of repetition for you. But to anyone who's new here, I'm going to explain basically just some of the ways that I experienced narcissistic injury when I, sorry, that I experienced narcissistic injury in another person when I was trying to leave. Um, first of all, um, a lot of times when you have this kind of abuse coming from someone, um, the person is pretty unattached emotionally. They're not, they're not emotionally available they're push-pull. They're only giving you love and affection when they know that you are thinking about leaving them. This is when you're seeing the breadcrumbing where they see you pull back. They're like, oh crap, I have to do something nice. Um, I'm going to do like this bare minimum thing to make them think that I'm still here. I'm still part of this relationship that I want to do better, whatever. Um, and that's it. But they're not an expressive person. They're not talking about their feelings in a healthy way. They're not, um, there's no actual love there. There's no, you know, there's no communication. And so, you know, when I first left, all of a sudden the, the roles kind of switched. Like I said, I pulled back. I wasn't doing the communicating. I was gray rocking. I wasn't answering my phone. I wasn't responding to texts, which usually, again, I was the one reaching out. I was trying to make connections and they were the one who was ignoring texts and ignoring phone calls. So all of a sudden, this person is calling me a million times, texting me. They're doing every Hoover attempt in the book. Um, they do this thing where they'll say one thing, and when you don't respond for a while, they'll try a completely other topic. Still don't respond. They're changing the topic. And basically, they're just casting out that line, trying to see which one is going to get you hooked. Which thing is going to get you to respond? Is it about the dog? No. Is it about the kid? No. Is it, oh, I'm not feeling well, I need help? Still no. And they're just going to keep going until they get a response from you. I was staying at my son's dad's house. He was gone, so I took my kiddo over there. I figured we'd be safe there. I kept all the doors locked. I tried to make things seem as normal as possible for my son because obviously we just left overnight. Again, listen to my podcast about breaking up with a narcissist. If you don't, if like you're like, this is kind of vague, what is she talking about? Um, so we're there and I'm trying to make my son feel like safe and just not shocked because, you know, it was like a sudden change where like all of a sudden you and mommy are going to stay at daddy's house, even though daddy's not here. And we're not going back to the other house because, uh, you know, and they would just, <clears throat> they would just show up. They waited outside. Ooh, it's windy outside. I'm going to step inside. They waited outside for me to let the dogs out in the morning. They knew what time more or less that I would be waking up to get the kiddo ready to go to school. And they were right there as soon as I opened the door. Because like I said, all the doors were locked. As soon as I opened the door, I turned around and I felt that door sliding right back open. Which is very scary. When you have not invited someone to come into your house and you're not expecting someone and you feel slash hear a door opening, that's very scary. You don't know. You do know this person. You know how they've reacted in the past. You know that they can get physically aggressive. Um, <clears throat> you know that 
They can yell at you. They can lure you into a 10 hour argument that you don't even know what it's about. You know, you know their behavior. You've seen what it's like. So you don't know what's going to happen when they walk in that door without your permission. Once they were inside the house, they beelined it to my son. I thought that they were coming for my dog Pip because they had been threatening to sue me if I took the dog. Um, They said over and over again that they were going to do X, Y, Z, that the dog was theirs, all this stuff. So I was like, dude, take the dog. (laughs) At this point, you're walking into my house. My kid is here. He's going to be scared by this. And he was. I was like, take the dog and leave. I'll figure it out later. Like, I'll hire a lawyer or ask the police for help or something to get the dog back. But for now, just get the heck out of here. And they didn't want the dog. They didn't even touch the dog. They even said, I'm not here for the dog. And they went straight for my three-year-old. And we're like, hey, buddy, do you want to come get a donut with me? Because they knew that if my son said yes, that, I, that he wanted a donut, that I would feel guilty saying no. That I would let him go with them or that I would say, okay, let's all go get donuts. Or that something would happen that would open up the door for them to come back in. And once they come back in, they're banking on you calming down, forgetting about the argument or the thing that made you leave. Um, and then they have you back and they don't have to panic anymore. Again, there was a lot of um, hoovering. It can be done in so many different ways, but there were a lot of threats. There was, if you don't come back right now, I'm throwing out all your stuff. I'm going to destroy your plants. I'm going to empty your dog's ashes. I'm going to do X, Y, Z. Basically, when it comes to this kind of the threat of if you don't do this, I'm going to do that. They will try to think of the things that are most important to you or the things that would scare you the most to get you to come back home, which blows my mind because if someone doesn't want to be with me, doesn't want to be around me, is trying to break up with me, the last thing I want to do is put fear in their soul and like have them come back to me out of fear or out of obligation or like that just uh, something I will never understand is like, I mean, I guess it's because I don't want to control someone and I don't want to. have someone with me even though they're miserable it just blows my mind but that's that's kind of what that is is like what can I do to like force this person to come home put so much fear in them that they're going to show up and again once they're home I'll act like everything's fine for 20 minutes and then I'll go right back to abusing them but now that they're home it's gonna be harder for them to leave again I've said this before, but I truly believe the only reason that I got out of the house when I did with my son is because we had another person staying with us at the time, and she helped me pack my bag for my pack a bag for my son, calmly get him out of the house, and of course was there to witness the whole conversation, everything that went down, um, all of that. So I truly believe that that is how I was able to get out when I did. Another thing that I experienced a lot was um, them saying that they wanted to check on me, asking me if I was home. You know, are you working from home? Can I bring you some food? I'm sure you're not eating. Let me help you. I'm going to pick up some bagels. Hey, I have bagels. Hey, I'm coming over. Hey, I'm here. And the whole time I'm like, no, thanks. I'm fine. No, I'm good. No, I don't need anything. No, I don't want any bagels. Oh, hey, can I come in? That's the thing that comes. Hey, I'm here. I'm outside with the dog that I finally took. Can I come in? Um... And so it's really, again, in my case, it was a lot of desperate attempts to try to get me back in touch with them, to get me back in person with them. Um, And I will be honest with you, for that first week, I let them come over. I would let them come over when my son was asleep. 
maybe because it was easier because by that time I 100% knew that I was going to go no contact. I knew that I was leaving, that I was buying a one-way ticket. I knew I was going to Europe with my son. I had passports in hand. I had this whole escape plan, which by the way, I should do an episode about my escape plan because that feels very important now that I mention it. Um, And that's not to say that yours will be the same, but I feel like it might be nice for me to share what I did and what I was thinking at the time um, and what worked and what didn't work. But anyway, they had no idea. So for me, it felt easier. I guess this could be sort of like a form of gray rocking where I was just like, okay, sure, you can come over and talk to me. But what happened was every single time they would come over and like one night we watched a movie and like had snacks and it was very eerie because it did feel like almost like we were dating. There was like no kissing, no sex, no real connection, but it was almost like when you're kind of first getting to know someone and you're kind of just like chill and happy that you're hanging out together and then you're both going to go your separate ways later that night and whatever. But then when it would be like near the end of the time when I would be like, hey, you need to go now. I'm going to go to bed. They would start an argument and it would be about my son's dad and how it's not fair that my son's dad gets to stay in his life. But if my abuser didn't make me happy and do X, Y, Z, that they couldn't stick around. And the whole time I'm like, well, my son's dad isn't abusive and he's legally and biologically connected to the child. Whereas you're just here abusing both of us and you have no real obligation or tie to him. But it, my point is that like they would come over and try to be, you know, try to be what I wanted them to be. And again, I feel very lucky that by this time I've been listening to Lee Hammock's um, podcasts and watching both him and Lisa Sunny from Stronger Than Before. Lee Hammock is mental illness um, on TikTok and Instagram. I've been watching their stuff. I have Lisa's Trauma Bun Recovery book. Um, ready to go. So I fully understand what's going on by this time. And I, I tell you right now that if I had not had that information at this point, it would have been much harder. And I probably would have faltered because it's very, very confusing to have someone showing up kind, bringing you snacks for once, finally not charging you for it because they charged me for every penny they ever spent on me. We never shared money or anything like that. So, um, just trying to be this like, person who basically, you know, you spend years begging them to be kind to you and all of a sudden they're kind to you, but then you have to pay attention to that switch flip, how the moment they're like, oh, she's not asking me to stay slash she's not coming back home. Okay. Well now I have to start an argument because if I start an argument that buys me three to eight more hours, we all know if you've been there, those hour, those arguments can go on forever. When I finally left to go and stay with my family, because of course, by this time I've told my mom, I'm scared by their irrational behavior and how they're showing up and how they're targeting my son. And now my mom's scared and she's like, don't let him out of your sight because you never know what's going to happen when someone's acting this way. Um, And they came over to say goodbye. They wrote me a little note that really didn't say anything important. And like walked or they wanted to take me to the airport. But now looking back, it's because they wanted the keys to my car because fully a hundred percent without a doubt, if I had left my car and the keys to my car, they would have been driving my car for the three months I was gone instead of their own because they were so entitled. And this is what, this is what at least my abuser did. Everything of mine was theirs and they never wanted to use anything of theirs because of course they want to take care of their car and keep it nice and run mine into the ground. And so I was like, I'm hell no. And I had a friend take me to the airport 
But the note, of course, was like, oh, you're leaving for a little bit. I don't know if it's the right thing to do. I'm going to miss you guys, blah, blah, blah. And then so I went home and I started slowly weaning myself off going like less contact, which for me didn't really work because if there was still contact, I was still tempted to talk to them or respond to them, even though I knew without a doubt when my plan was to go no contact before I got on the plane. It took me a whole two extra weeks to actually go no contact. But it wasn't long before my ex, um, my abuser, made their move on the new supply, which they had lined up. And it ended up being this whole thing that like we ended up talking about. And like they then were leaning on me because the new supply had just gotten married to a man. And they were like, oh my God, I feel so guilty, but I really like her, blah, blah, blah. And it was almost like, They were using me as a therapist, but really, of course, they were trying to get supply out of me. They wanted a reaction out of me. They wanted me freaking out. They wanted me sad. They wanted me jealous. They wanted me whatever. And I did freak out. I was was gutted because it's devastating to feel replaced so quickly by someone that you so desperately wanted to make it work with and like paid for so much therapy and paid for so many self-help books and did all this work and like completely destroyed yourself trying to make this person happy and then all of a sudden they have someone else because of course again they have that person lined up and ready oftentimes that's called monkey branching um they have that person ready for the second you leave they're like hey that's fine i had someone lined up um because they can't be alone but anyway i had an initial like two day um pretty much like i would say depression where i just felt like an absolute piece of shit and then i was like ew ew This person is saying the exact same things they said to me, doing the exact same things they did to me, is about to pursue another married woman and destroy another marriage, which again, if someone is willing to leave their marriage that easily, like the marriage wasn't on a strong foundation anyway, but I was just so disgusted that it helped me to go no contact, but Right before I went no contact, my abuser was like, hey, we talked and it's just going to be too much for us to pursue this. So maybe we can, um, maybe we can be friends in time. Um, I just feel bad. And I wanted to let you know, I'm sorry I left you hanging. And again, I was just so disgusted because now looking back, this was them keeping the line open for me just in case that girl chose not to leave her husband, right? So there was a moment in time that the girl was on the fence. It was probably like an hour Um, because I know now that she left very quickly. And again, the point isn't what she chose to do. But um, there was probably a very small window of time when my abuser was like, ooh, I don't know if this new supply is going to work out. I need to keep Lindsay on the hook. So they reached out and were like, again... Uh, we're not going to do it. Sorry, I kept you waiting. As in, keep talking to me until I know for sure. Once I know, I'll probably probably discard you because I see you're trying to discard me, but that's not going to work for me. So let me just do this whole thing. But instead, that's when I went fully no contact. Didn't respond ever again. Um, Hadn't blocked them right away, but since I didn't respond, they didn't didn't text me. But um, they would periodically send me emails, um, again, trying to hoover, trying to get a response from me. When was I coming back from Spain? What did I want from our house? All things that really didn't matter. It's just like, take your stuff, move out. 
move on with your life. I'll come get mine when I'm done. Um, if you haven't like destroyed or taken all my stuff or whatever, but I didn't care at that point. So my point is, in all of this, that it's very hard and it is a long drawn out process. I was very lucky that this time that I left, it did not involve physical violence because multiple other times that I left, I was physically restrained from leaving. I was tackled. I was held down. I had my leg shut in a door. Other people who were in this TikTok video with me were brutally attacked when they tried to leave. People are sued. People are taken to court for nothing. People are threatened. People are threatened to lose their kids, to lose their pets. Again, I was threatened to be sued if I took the dog. Um, Children and pets are used as pawns. It is very, very dangerous to try to leave an abusive person. Okay, before I go into the next part, this next part, I'm going to share some of the stories of the people who I made the TikTok with just really quick um, because that was what spurred this podcast topic. Um, I want to go back to the part about me talking about my abuser having such a sense of entitlement. I would like to do an episode on entitlement because it can be very much a sign of narcissism or abusive behavior. Um, and so I want to kind of go on talking about what that can look like and why I do want to say that that part was just sort of like an offshoot of me processing, having, um, been asked to leave my car there. I definitely like when I listened to it again, sounded kind of petty. I really, really strive not to like trash my ex because I don't have the energy for that. I don't hate them. And I don't really feel like I need to justify having said that because I feel like most of you who are listening understand that. <clears throat> um, but the more important thing in having chosen not to leave my car there, <laughs> while absolutely knowing that, yes, they would have used my car every single day and not touched theirs the entire three months I was gone, is that leaving my keys, leaving my car with them would have left another connection. They would have had a reason to contact me. Hey, you need an oil change. Hey, do you want me to get your oil change for you? Hey, I got your oil change for you. You owe me a hundred dollars or whatever it is. Hey, your tires need rotated. Hey, I'm going to do this. Hey, I'm going to do that. Hey, when are you coming back for your car? At whatever. It's another connection that they have to you. And yes, as I said earlier, I did leave my dogs. I left my stuff. I left my son's things. Um, we were still on a lease together and I was absolutely sitting in Indiana like a bump on a log waiting for confirmation that they had given their key back to the landlord and that they were gone. And I waited another whole month to come back. Um, that was a choice I made. That was um, what I arranged with the landlord just to ensure my safety. The landlord did know what was going on um, and I'm very lucky that they were so supportive. But I just wanted to circle back and clarify Um, again, I feel like, you know, as survivors, we do have the right to sort of spout off and be like, oh my God, they're so entitled. I can't believe that. I never want to be around someone who's like that again. Um, but that was less the point. And, um, and the bigger point was that they would then still have that connection. This is the response from Jules at Hearts with Jules. I was being harassed through different email accounts, private numbers, different numbers, social media accounts, even showed up at my place a few times. This is the response from Manjeet Rupri at Manjeet Rupri. 
a future effect when you repeat the same pattern of paranoid narcissistic behavior that I'm the one that's the problem. This is the response from my narcissistic ex. She threatened to unalive herself, which basically made me feel guilty and bad. So I ended up putting myself back into that cycle of abuse. This is the response from Le Disco Mama. He would use a lot of guilt trips and obligation, making it seem that I was breaking up our family and ruining his life. This is the response from Roller Coaster of Love. Anytime I tried to leave the narcissist, he would distract me with concert tickets, beach vacations, all sorts of gifts. And this is the response from Red High Heels. Screaming and yelling that you're crazy while also simultaneously saying you're the best thing that ever happened to them and please don't leave them. This is the response from Lisa Sunny at Stronger Than Before who initiated this collaboration. He told me the only way out was in a body bag. This is the response from Lovely Lady Love. He promised me the world. He promised me he would change. He gave me everything that I wanted to hear and it was called future faking. Okay, so there were a few more responses and some people shared more than one um, story about trying to leave. Unfortunately, I have to cut this one short because it's time for me to check out of my final Airbnb of my trip with my son. It is time for us to head back to the lovely United States, which is in such great condition compared to how we left it. Just kidding. It's been a dump. Okay. Anyway, we're not going to go there. Um, but my point is y'all that people should not be asking just leave or why didn't you leave when it comes to abuse? The better question to ask would be, what can I do to help? Not why didn't you leave? Why didn't you tell me just leave? You know, you could have avoided this. You should have left earlier. None of that. It should very much be, what can I do to help? Let me look for some resources. Let me see if I know anyone who can help you with your dogs. Whatever it might be. Stop asking people why they didn't leave. Stop telling them to just leave because it does not work that way. Okay, as you know, before I wrap this up, I'm going to do a couple quick announcements. First and foremost, I am heading to Greece in August of 2023. I will be hosting a trip for any and all of you who want to come along. Just kidding, not all of you, because there is a cap at 24 people. The first 10 people to book the trip will get an early bird discount. We will be going to Athens and spending a couple days walking around, soaking up the history and beauty of that incredible city. And then we will take a ferry over to Santorini and enjoy the beautiful island. We'll be doing a hike over there. I'm super excited for this trip, and I can't wait to meet some of you in such a beautiful place. If you want the information, you can find it in the highlight of my Instagram page called Greece 2023. Um, check it out. There will be a link in there that you can go to to book the trip or just learn more about it. One more announcement. I apologize for talking so quickly. I am trying to get out of here before 11 o'clock. It is 1046. Um, I am taking part on a panel. Um, we will be interviewing Dr. Kristen Milstead on her book, Why Can't I Just Leave? about how difficult it is to leave narcissistic abusive relationships. How perfect for this episode. 
I will be sharing the information on Instagram. I'll start probably promoting that a lot more as the time comes. It is August 18th at 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. Um, DM me if you are interested in booking tickets and you haven't seen me post anything about it on Instagram for a while. You can also um, purchase the option to have the webinar um, to watch again later or if you're going to miss the live version. So if you can't make it at that time, don't worry. They've got you. Um, so stay tuned for that. And that is all for today. Thank you so much for listening. As always, I appreciate all of you so very much. If you like this episode, this podcast, and you want to support me, please rate, review, subscribe. I want to get this podcast into the ears of the people who need it the most. And that kind of interaction definitely does help get it out there. If you want more from me, you can find me on TikTok and Instagram at the Lindsay Goodman, or you can visit my website, thelindsaygoodman.com. Take care of yourselves and stop asking people to just leave. <laughs>